Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while since you have heard my voice, or at least a new recording of my voice. And uh, I'm really excited to announce that this is the beginning of a new season for Multifaceted Masculinity. Not only is it a new season, but I've actually brought on a co-host, Seth Connor. He's my business partner. He's a dear friend of mine for over a decade now, and uh, we've been through the ups and downs of life together and really wanted to work together to extend and expand the message of multifaceted masculinity. I'm excited to introduce you to him as well as outline the next season, what we're going to be diving into. It's still going to be multifaceted masculinity, but we're introducing a few potentially controversial topics. Surprise, surprise, that's me. And um, diving into the rabbit hole that they may lead to, which hopefully will extend some insight and even permission to maybe take some risks in ways that you haven't. So without further ado, let's get started. Men, we are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. Welcome to Multifaceted Masculinity. It has been quite a while since we've had a conversation or I've dropped an episode. Actually, it's been six months. And uh, in that time, there has been a lot that's happened in my life, <laughs> to say the least. Um, if you have not listened to the last episode, I would encourage you to do so. It's kind of my... Uh, processing of what I experienced in three nights of sitting with ayahuasca, which we'll just say that it was very eye-opening and life-changing and kind of stirred enough things in me that it caused me to hit pause on a lot of things, one of them being the podcast. And I was going to actually close down the podcast, not delete it, but just kind of indefinitely shut it down or put it on pause just because I wasn't sure it my experience at that point had disrupted so much that I wasn't quite sure what direction to take things in general. Um, and long story short, which we're going to get into here in just a little bit with the episode, I have decided to actually bring on a co-host and launch a season two, which I'm really excited to not only introduce you to my co-host, Seth Connor, but also um, just to kind of break into or dive into what you can expect from both of us and the direction that we're taking this podcast. So those of you that don't know who Seth is, I guess you're asking that question is who the hell is Seth? And uh, first and foremost, he's a friend, but he's also my business partner with my marketing agency that we have together where we do digital marketing. Um, he's also a psychedelic integration coach, which again, we're going to get into more details there, but that's the direction I'm also taking my coaching is incorporating plant medicine into coaching. And uh, so a lot of our passions have aligned and a lot of our business ventures have aligned to the point where, you know, we thought, how fun would it be to kind of take the history that we've established in our life experiences and incorporate it into this podcast and, and really dive into a lot of these things. So without further ado, uh, Seth, do you want to jump in and say hi? Hello, my friend. 
And that's it. That's a wrap. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've got. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this new season. Yeah. So I guess first and foremost, a good place to start is just kind of our history, just just so that you guys have an understanding or a foundation of where we're coming from and what we've built on. And uh, we we actually met, gosh, what was it? Over 10 years ago now? It's been, yeah, between eight and 10 years, I think. Yeah. At this point. We're going we're gonna to round up and say a decade, yeah, give or take. We met in a men's group at church mm. and it was a porn group. We were, do you remember when the guy that was running it would have us all say, we are, what was it? We are sex addicts. Yeah. It was something along the lines of kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Kind of. And you're supposed to take on that title of I'm addicted to sex and I'm, you know, learning how to manage it in a healthy way or something like that. I, I, I've blocked that out of my subconscious apparently. So yeah, it was like a sex addicts anonymous, but within the church, yeah, no affiliation. It was just something that he had started based out of his own brokenness. Yeah. And I mean, there was, there was a lot of good that came from it. I mean, one of them, I would say in hindsight, it was our friendship, right? Yeah. It wasn't always that way. (laughs) (laughs) I see where you're going with this. Uh, I thought he was a pompous ass when I first met Seth, actually. Yeah. Tell me, what was I doing that, that caused you to, to believe that? The, the way that I described it to another friend. So, so the way the men's group worked was we, it was a couple hundred guys, and then we would break into these small groups of five to kind of do different things. And Seth was, Seth and I were both in the same kind of small group. Which we had a great group. We did. I mean, we had a the guys in our group were group. amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you'd go around, you'd share things, whatever. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, this, this guy is like a smooth talking, cheesy car salesman who just thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. Like, uh, just get away from me. You yeah. Know? And that was half right. I mean, I, I was a smooth talking piece of shit, but I would, I was so insecure and, you know, fucked up in my heart and just messy, yep. but I didn't want anybody to see that. Yeah. So I was hiding that and that came across as, as kind of overcompensating asshole. your insecurities Absolutely. with trying to find the right words and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hiding. Yeah. Which I think a lot of us do. Yeah. But I kind of sniffed that out and, and probably more than likely there was a, a piece of that that I picked up on in you and what you're talking about because I would do the same thing. Right. Like I, I would essentially hide behind my ability to articulate things well. Hmm. And, and so I kind of sniffed that out in you and was like, ugh, I don't like that about me. So I don't like that about you, you know, kind of projecting that onto you. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that, and we found this out what years later, up until maybe six, seven, eight months ago, we never articulated that really to each other then, but I was thinking the exact same thing about you was like, this guy's an arrogant a-hole. Yeah. You know, he thinks he knows everything. And <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that, you know, we have that similar background. We, I think we were the only ones in the group that had a military background. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and we didn't know that necessarily right away, but yeah. quickly found out that, oh. And not only a military background, but we're both former Marines. Yep. And we happen to be in the same... How would you describe oh, yeah. it? Same unit at the same, or on uh, in the same location at the same time, which we had no clue. Like we had never met prior, and I I don't know about you, but I would get it all the time where 
I say, and I still to this day is like, oh, I was a Marine or especially when I was in the Marines, you know, I'm, I'm in the Marines and they'd go, oh, where are you stationed? California. Oh, do you know John Smith? You know, right. Like, <laughs> no, I don't know John Smith. You know? Right. <laughs> There's a lot of John Smiths yeah, in yeah. California yeah. that are in the military. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know him. But yeah, we were essentially working not, not less than a hundred yards from each other yeah. and, and had some cross-pollinating, um, I guess, uh, it was, you were working in the same unit that I was training in. Yep. And then once I transitioned out of training, we were just right across the street from each other. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's fascinating. It's the whole world keeps getting smaller, the longer it goes. Right. So, so long story short, you know, we, I think there was just so many similarities that we were both drawn to each other in certain ways, but then also turned off to each other in certain ways as well. Um, and so, you know, we did the whole church familiar po- political barbecue get together periodically, you know, uh, I like you, but not too much thing, whatever right. that all is. Right. Um, and then I think you guys end up moving away first, right? Yeah. So we, the, uh, the now ex-wife wanted to be closer to family. We didn't have any family around and, um, she was from North Carolina. So we made the decision that we wanted the kids to be closer to family. And, uh, so we made the decision to make the trek from coast to coast. So from the West coast in California, all the way to North Carolina, uh, so that uh, we could be closer to family. The kids could be closer to family. And yeah, I guess that was about four and a half years ago. Yeah. And then for me, it wasn't too much behind you that we ended up now my ex and I ended up moving to Austin, Texas. Um, and we we didn't really talk after you had moved, which inevitably happens for a lot of people, right? You, there's, I think there are friends that last the distance when somebody moves, but a lot of times, you know, I, I always say you need to have people that are in the trenches with you, which technology is totally helped with. But when you're across the country or in a different state or a different town, it's just harder to be in those trenches together and in kind of that day to day. And so since we already kind of had this underlier of like, yeah, I'm not totally crazy about you. At the same time, I admire certain things about you. It was easier just to kind of go, oh, he moved away. Like I wish him the best genuinely, whatever, but we never really stayed in touch. Yeah. And I think for me, that last six months to a year before we left the area, my, my marriage was so messy and frustrating at that time that it caused some disconnect with the the relationships that I had yeah. in that community. Yeah. And so there was only maybe two or three of those guys in that men's group, uh, in our small group, that I was able to hang on to up until the point that we were yeah. leaving. But still, those relationships were just shaky because I was still hiding and didn't want to share my vulnerability with that messiness And, but it was you and a couple others that I was able to kind of say goodbye Mm -hmm. to. Um, but then once moving, didn't really stay in touch with any of them, you know, kind of, if you're not right in front of me, then I have trouble maintaining connection, you know, which is, is something that I I needed to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of our mutual friends, David Charlson, who she was actually also a guest on the podcast in last episode or a season. And, uh, he 
was Marco Poloing with you, which is an app, like a video communication app that we we use regularly now. That's right. Uh, not just with you, I use with several people now. But um, he was sending you a message and I was out visiting Reading and just kind of turned the camera to me. And then all of a sudden that sparked up, you know, I was like, oh, well, hey, good to see you. How have you been? And that kind of rekindled our connection because then we started using Marco Polo to message back and forth. And I was at a place where it was right going through kind of my divorce. And I don't remember if I had filed at that point or if I had not, but it it was at peak. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm doing all I can to try to quote unquote, save this. Um, I still feel like it's falling apart in certain ways. I'm a total victim. My identity is wrapped up in being a married man. My God is wrapped up in my ex-wife as well as the promises and and kind of the, the culture that we had, which was a lot of prophetic words from God and all of that. And so I'd stored up all these things within my marriage. And so my marriage falling apart was directly interwoven with my God falling apart, my spirituality falling apart, my identity falling apart, like everything was crumbling. And that was actually why I was out there at the time was just I took a few weeks to go back out to Reading um, just to be with some people that I knew really well and to kind of assess everything and and look at things. And ultimately, unfortunately, that that landed me at a place of um, my ex and I it not making it being able to work. But uh, it was really kind of in the midst of all of that, all these fears and insecurities and doubts and pain and rejection and hurt like that we kind of reconnected via Marco Polo and um I forget if I think you had just actually gone through your divorce as well or it was it was within a matter of months and so we just kind of had this common ground of being able to connect and understand what we're going through yeah it was um <clears throat> it was kind of a fortuitous timing uh, a divine aligning, if you will. I don't believe in coincidences at all. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're, you and I are at the place that we're at now. But when, you know, I would do Marco Polo communication with Dave from time to time, and maybe once a month. And it just happened to be that you were there when he was responding. And you and I connecting um, was at a point where either my divorce was finalizing because I had just gone through about, you know, I had to go through a, a year of separation, which I'm looking forward to us getting into an episode where we dissect even more like the, you know, the progression of the beginning of a divorce, yeah, you know, yeah. at, at least, at least in, in my story, cause it's very interesting, but, but it was at a time, like I think it was finalizing. Um, it was a, it was a completion, uh, something coming to, to an end and you were in the same spot at the same time. So yeah. for me, that was kind of a breath of fresh air because there was a, a few people in my life that I was connecting with, but they weren't in the same spot sure. as me. And you being able to be like, wow, that's the same thing that I'm going through right now. It hurts. Uh, it's painful. Um, I have to navigate this now by myself more or less, but, but us connecting just happened to be at a very kind of fortuitous timing. So that was just a breath of fresh air. And yeah as the months went on, we just continue to grow closer and closer together, which is funny. Cause then we, you know, two guys who were <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't spend much time together yeah. 
you know, unless we were forced to sometimes yeah. really wanting to be in communication and in relation to a relationship together uh, was really um, a gift. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I think that's a great word to use because it really was a gift. Um, and I mean, ultimately now it's, you know, we're in business together and we're doing different ventures. We're obviously doing this podcast together. We're doing similar coaching. We haven't even touched the plant medicine stuff yet, which is actually going to be in part two. Mm, but plant medicine. Um, and, and just how that's helped both of us in so many ways. Um, but I think another thing that the kind of divine timing of it all was, like I said, so much of my life I felt was falling apart and not felt like it was falling apart. The, the perception of what I had built and the image that I had built for myself, for my marriage, for my God, all of that, it was falling apart. And at the time, you know, I have openly talked about the fact that I was ready and willing to take my own life because it was that disruptive to who I was as a person. Um, you know, fortunately I didn't. And at the time I was propped up on a lot of VA medications and antidepressants. And, um, and I say propped up just because it kept me from killing myself quite literally, which I'll always be grateful for. Um, but, you know, ultimately landed at this journey with plant medicine, which again, just teasing right now, want to, want to, Next episode is when we're really going to be diving into what exactly those are and how they helped and everything else. But I think an interesting component within that was because, or maybe a similar component that we had was that we also, as well as going through the divorce, um, we were also kind of going through the whole deconstruction of of Christianity and that that kind of definition and that structure or that container that I, I like to say is the container of Christianity, which um, for me, that was falling apart uh, very internally as, as well as very practically. You know, through my divorce, 95% of the people that I thought was family, I thought was community, et cetera, they just disappeared for the most part. Um, and that's not an extreme thing. I mean, I, I never heard from them. Right. Like I just, they just fell off the radar. And I think part of that is they may not have known how to respond or how to reach out. And so it just, I think we all, if you feel uncomfortable in a certain way, then it just feels easier to not be proactive and lean into that discomfort. But it, because everything I had kind of built around my life was falling apart, the only thing I could anchor myself in was that God is love. And I, I chose to strip away everything else. And you were an intricate part of that because then we could have those conversations because I feel like you were maybe a little bit further down that road of deconstruction. And I avoided even using the word deconstruction because it was like, oh, another, you know, tr Christian trendy thing that people are saying, let me throw up, you know, but it really was, it was deconstructing everything that I knew to be true and being able to talk to you and have those conversations um, I didn't feel crazy, I guess, as a, as a good starting point, uh, just, and I also felt less afraid because I actually had someone that wasn't afraid of my questions I was asking myself. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I mean, I think going through these tough situations, community or a relationship is everything. Being able to have you as a sounding board, even for me, like you say, I was a little bit further down the road. I was, I might've just started the journey a, a little bit 
sooner than you. But in the grand scheme of things, it's essentially the same time. And being able to have you as a sounding board was really healing for me because my you know deconstruction of my faith started before we left California. And, and, and it took a couple years into North Carolina where it was scary. I was scared. Like, I'm feeling like, am I being deceived? Am I, you know, is this deconstructing yeah. me asking these questions? Are they okay? You know, um, is there, is there really a hell? You know, it was one of the big ones before I left California. Like that was a big trigger for a lot of people in the church. Yeah. Even, even my, my wife at the time, like asking these questions, I think are very, very healthy, but they were scary for people. And me going, you know, I'm scared to, to be able to start questioning these things. And the stance that I took was, I'm going to just keep looking, you know, I'm going to run ahead. I feel like it's okay to run ahead and explore and, and discover, but I'm going to keep looking back and see if I'm getting the green light from Jesus. That was just the way that helped me yeah. feel okay with it and not feel like I'm backsliding or, you know, being deceived. And there's one thing I remember, I think it was our pastor at the time in California saying in a book years before that, that we had to be more confident in God's ability to keep us than the devil's ability to deceive us. Yeah. It was just a way for me to go. It was, it was a great way for me to trust the divine, the source, the universe, God, whoever, whoever, you know, that is. But I think just to, to quickly kind of get, you know, talk about the loss of identity in marriage that started with the deconstruction part where I was discovering finally who I am because I entered into a marriage where I did not know who I was. I came in with baggage as we all do, but then for eight years, I am looking at this woman to define who I am because I don't know who yeah. I am. And she's looking at me, wanting me to conform to her version or her, um, the person that she wanted me to be. And because I didn't know who I was, I gladly accepted the, the challenge, yeah. which if anybody has ever been there, you know that that turns into a codependent relationship really, really quickly and thus the messiness. So, you know, I had, I didn't, I don't think I ever had my identity going into marriage, but once I discovered it and I broke that codependent cycle, then things were just downhill from that, that point on and just divorce was just kind of imminent. So, well, I think one thing that's important, cause I, I don't know of many people who are not attracted, like your brokenness attracts you to other people's brokenness. A, a lot of times, especially when people get married early or in their early twenties where they still haven't gone through, uh, or if they have not gone through an intentional process of healing or exploring, or, you know, really understanding who they are inadvertently. I think most of us, you know, we, it's common. You, you, you marry your mom or you marry your dad, that kind of thing, because that inner child is looking for something familiar. That is that perception of love, no matter how warped or wrong or unhealthy or codependent it may be, uh, we inadvertently are drawn to that dysfunction or unhealthy aspect. And, um, you know, just in the sense of divorce is eminent, it, it is for some people, but I think there's a lot of people too, that if both people choose to essentially metaphorically hold hands while they work through that dysfunction or, uh, you know, the unhealthy aspects, then on the other side of it is this deeply, richly rewarding connection 
but a lot of marriages don't make it through that transition, right? Um, because it does disrupt everything you've known to that point, whether it's three years in, seven years in, 15 years in, 25 years in, when one person chooses to say, I'm going to go into this unknown and find out who I am on the other side, it and it disrupts whatever that status quo is. Um, you know, I've seen people that both parties choose to say, I'm going to go into that with you. And it's messy and it's hurtful and it's hard and there's apologies and there's work and there's all of that. But if both people are committed, then there's still something on that other side. And it doesn't mean that if one person kind of wakes up to something healthier or better or new, that it's a guaranteed, oh, that marriage isn't going to work. Yeah. For us, I mean, looking back in hindsight, especially post-divorce, when you're just sitting there in analytical mode, yeah, you know, dissecting the relationship from day one. Are you going to say you realize, what the fuck did I do in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> no, because, the, and that's an interesting thing because people will get out of a marriage, they'll have a divorce and they will regret being in that relationship. Yeah, And I can understand why, because there's so much pain or messiness wrapped up in it. For me, I don't regret it yeah. at all because I came out of that relationship light years ahead of where I could have been yeah. due to that frustration uh, that forced me into a better version of myself, yeah. right? But I can, I can analyze it and go, okay, we got married because, well, most likely we were both tired of being alone and we met a need in each other and we were drawn to each other's brokenness, Sure, right? I wanted to rescue her because she was a single mom, you know, and she probably wanted to be rescued on some level. And once we got married, she's like, you're not the rescuer that I hoped for. You're not the knight in shining armor. You've got all this baggage and you're messy, you know? And so now disappointment sets in and then there's resentment. But, you know, we spent years and I don't know how it was for you, but we spent eight years understanding that we are both broken in this relationship and yep. we got, we sought help everywhere we could, Sure, you know, couples counseling and couples retreats and multiple different types of, uh, you know, counselors or therapists or things like that. So we, we really went for it. We yeah. didn't deny the fact that we had issues. And then towards the end, it was like. You know, I, I had my issue that always triggered her was the fact that I would self-medicate with pornography or masturbation. And that was a big no-no. And, and I was required more or less to confess that when it happened okay. to let her know. Yeah. And so the last time that that had happened, that was kind of the straw on the camel's back forced us into this in-house separation that lasted for about a year. But for the first six months, I was constantly bringing new solutions to the table, trying to find new people to help us, you know, get out of this rut. And she wasn't having it. She was in resistance mode. I think she was just trying to found, find groundedness in okay. something. And after that six months, I was just kind of like, well, this isn't working. It's going to take a miracle, you know? And at that point, when I kind of took a step back is when she stepped forward and said, well, okay, I'll try again. Right. So now it was her turn to begin trying, but I just needed a break. And it was this moment that I began to find myself. Like I needed that break because yeah. I was so wrapped up in trying to save her, save us, save the marriage. And the funny thing is, is that during that time I was taking a break is when I first experimented with plant medicine. Okay. And I'm saying all this because when I, in my first experimentation with plant medicine was 
ayahuasca. And I know we're going to get into that later. But what it did was it showed me, it gave me insight into the solution for this marriage. Yeah. And I truly believed that if her and I had the opportunity to work with plant medicine together, yeah. the marriage would have lasted. It would have been what we were needing to yeah. see into each other. Um, but unfortunately, that just she, she's an autonomous person. She chose that you know, she did not want to have anything to do with that. And I understand. Um, but that is essentially the, you know, the, the direction that the, the marriage took. And eventually that's what kind of caused the, caused the, the dissolution of the marriage. Yeah, that makes sense. And cause you're, which like Seth said, we're going to, we're going to get into the weeds of plant medicine. Um, but one thing that it does do is it wakes you up to certain things and requires of you to look at things that maybe you're avoiding or to embrace things that are even your strengths that maybe you've suppressed or laid down, things like that. So, I mean, we could probably go on and on about the end of our marriages uh, and the the journey and all that. Maybe that's a, a podcast in and of itself, but I really just wanted to kind of give a foundation of our background, you know, kind of why in the hell are you coming on as a co-host in, in this? Um, and our next episode, episode, it's really going to be kind of a part one, part two series. Part one was more so, hey, guess what? Podcast is still going. Woohoo! Um, bringing on Seth and who is Seth and, and what's the background there. Uh, but really for part two, what we want to do is we want to dive into the wh what are we going to be working like on breaking down and kind of talking about within this season two. And it's it's going to be those plant medicine conversations. It's going to be the spirituality. It's going to be the the dating, the, you know, just all the things that really, not just our friendship over the last 10 years, but really the kind of the catalyst that we've experienced in the last, I would say, maybe two years or two or three years that's brought both of us through kind of this own personal transformation and this journey that we've been on. Um that's really what we want to talk about. We want to take hopefully things that we've had to navigate either on our own or by digging into books or both of us having those conversations going, ah, oh, man, we should probably pull back on this or adjust this or whatever, and really lend that strength to you guys who are listening so that if it is, I, I think that I love how some of the stigma around plant medicine has been removed over the last, let's say, year or so, but there's still a lot. And, and there's still a lot of fear and a lot of unknown when it comes to all of that. And how do you approach it in a healthy way, in a safe way? And how do you integrate it? Like all of that, uh, we're going to dive into in this part two. But, um, you know, for this part one, it was really just to introduce you, Seth, and give you a chance for people to, to hear a little bit more about you and, and our relationship and the background there. Um, so without further ado, we're going to wrap it up here for part one and uh, excited for you guys to listen to part two for us to really lay a foundation for what we're going to be diving into for this entire uh, season two with multifaceted masculinity. 